Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello. And welcome to the 18th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have some great news updates, another behind-the-scenes audio clip, a pretty in-depth conversation defending Claire Deering from Jurassic World with longtime Jurassic fan and listener of the show, Jennifer Tarek. We'll review this past week's poll answers. I've got a few listener emails, and we'll also do an introduction of next week's poll. So why don't we get things started with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access me. Access me security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head been right all the time. It's day. I guarantee it. So it looks like Universal Studios have signed a contract to open up another park near Beijing, China. Set to open in 2019, it looks like the site will contain a bunch of hotels, uh, the theme park, a water park, and an entertainment space. It looks like more Harry Potter, Transformers, and the Mummy franchise are coming to the park. But more importantly, Jurassic Park. Now, we don't have too much information as to what exactly will be in the Jurassic area, uh, but from the concept art, it really looks like it's going to be something similar to Orlando's Islands of Adventure. Uh, Let's hope for a bit more, and also an update to the existing river adventure. Check out the link to the Variety article, and I'll also post another link to the concept art in the show notes. Continuing with the theme park news, we got a glimpse into the new Indiana Jones-themed restaurant in the former downtown Disney area that's now called Disney Springs within Walt Disney World. Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar features a ton of props from the indie series of films, um, but it also contains a little reference to Jurassic Park. Now, a bit of backstory. Fred Sorensen, he's the pilot that played Jock Lindsay in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he also did something that many of you may not know about. He, um, he flew into Hawaii to save the crew of Jurassic Park from an incoming hurricane. Now, within the hangar bar, uh, there's a giant tooth framed and with a note saying, Thanks for getting us off the island, S. Now, I think we can assume that the S is for Steven Spielberg, who directed both Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jurassic Park. So it's awesome that Disney referenced that moment in Jurassic Park lore, even though it's a Universal franchise. I've posted a link to the WDW News Today tweet in the show notes. <laughs> Barnes & Noble have revealed a new offer to entice people to buy the Jurassic World DVD within their stores. So while supplies last, you can pick up the DVD along with a set of four vintage-style advertisement posters themed to Jurassic World. The posters are 11 by 17 and show off the Indominus Rex, the Mosasaurus, the T-Rex, and the Gyrosphere with the Triceratops. These are certainly a must-have for any Jurassic Park fan. Now, 
Even though I plan on getting the DVD elsewhere, I'll probably pick up another copy at Barnes & Noble just to get those awesome posters. Check out the link in the show notes to see what they are offering. I recently spoke with Hasbro, and they wanted to reassure us that the Jurassic World toy line is continuing. In the email, Hasbro stated, Thanks for the note. I can assure you that the Jurassic World toy line has not been canceled, and that fans will continue to find the product in stores this fall starting to hit the shelves now. In addition to the items that launched around the movie in June, the new fall items are listed below. Now this list contains the likes of a Stomp and Strike T-Rex, priced at $34, and a Tyrannosaurus Lockdown playset, priced at $24.99. And it also has an assortment of animatronic plushes, priced at $19.99, all of which should be available now, I would think. Now while the list isn't really something that we were looking for as a, a toy update, but at least for now, we have some confirmation that they are still continuing to release more in the future. This past week has been a whirlwind of incoming media due to the Jurassic World DVD press junket. Several media members were invited out to the Hawaiian Islands to tour the locations from Jurassic World and meet some of the cast. They started a Snapchat account under the name Jurassic Snaps for the occasion and let out a barrage of images and videos showing off the different locations and the actors from the film. Now we got to interact with Bryce Dallas Howard, B.D. Wong, Nick Robinson, and Ty Simpkins through Snapchat and also through the lens of the media that attended. I captured basically all the images from Snapchat and posted them to Twitter for everyone to see. Now while there hasn't been much news leaked from the event, we can expect more information to leak out in the coming weeks as media will start to reveal their coverage from the several day event. And we know that Bryce and Chris Pratt are returning, but BD Wong, Ty, and Nick played coy and didn't reveal whether or not they were in the sequel. Stay tuned for more information and we'll be on top of it as soon as it hits. Check out our Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod for updates. Oh, hear fire, do not fire. God creates a man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Boy, we hit being right all the time. We're gonna have to drop the can! Are you ready? One, two, come on! In this audio clip from the behind-the-scenes featurettes, director Colin Trevorrow asks Chris Pratt when he realized he was in a Jurassic Park movie. Take a listen to hear his funny response. What was the moment on set when you realized, I am in a Jurassic Park movie, this oh, is yeah. happening and this is real? There were a lot of moments, like the whole movie. <laughs> All of the moments. Every moment. Everything that was reminiscent of the original movie, like the old visitor center, the old Jeep, things like that. And when we started doing practical effects, like the Jeep crashing and me diving out of the way or the log rolling behind us, those things. Yeah, kind of the whole movie. I mean, Kind of the whole thing. There wasn't really ever a moment where I was like... Oh, this is just another day at the office. The whole time I was like, you're in Jurassic World, don't screw it up. And I felt like we're part of a great big classic movie. Like, hold on to your butts. Check out the link in the show notes to watch the short clip that's expected to be in the DVD October 20th. Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center, where Jennifer Tarek joins me to defend Claire Deering in Jurassic World. Okay, so this week I'm here with avid Jurassic Park fan uh, Jennifer Tarek. 
and she has a ton to to relay here to the fans and uh, I think it's great that we're going to bring her on she seems to be you know a big listener here so uh, I'm glad to bring her on board and uh, I think we're going to discuss Claire tonight is that right yeah I'm really excited I'm I'm really excited that you invited me on and I'm happy to hopefully defend Claire to some people and we'll (laughs) see how it goes but yeah unfortunately she does need a bit of defending which is it's a shame but and it's shocking I did not expect to have that experience that huge backlash because as soon as the movie ended I was so excited to go read the reviews and I was surprised at how much backlash that movie experienced yeah how it, they did, handled Claire. it didn't make any sense to me you know the way I saw her she seemed to be you know a very savvy businesswoman and she knew what she was doing and uh, you know who cares if she was wearing heels around the whole park and running around I honestly think that was a strong point you know, not many people could do that. So I, uh, I give her credit for that. So, uh, yeah, I don't really get the backlash. No, I mean, the one way I would describe Claire is out of her element. Like, mm-hmm. um, like a good portion of the movie, she's in heels, but that's because that's who she is. I mean, I love that they didn't try to change her character too drastically. And they, they kept her the same, but they threw obstacles at her. And she handled them the best she knew how in the business that she knew. And I thought thing would be so unrealistic if they made her this superhero of the movie. I mean, that's why they have three films. Hopefully by the end of the third one, she'll be there. But if they would have rushed yeah. it and changed everything in the first film, that wouldn't have been believable at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think her transition is going to be huge from, from here on out. You know, she this was basically her transition point. You know, she started off... Uh, very uh, straightforward and, and businesslike in taking care of the park. And she seemed to be, um, you know, besides the, the outbreak there, she seemed to be a fairly competent uh, businesswoman, and she knew exactly what she was doing there. So, um, yeah, obviously it's going to take her a while to get into the mode of, I got to run, I got to defend myself, I got to do all this. She basically needed to become a different person. Right, and I love how they showed her scared for a good half of the film. And I know there's a lot of complaints about that because of the damsel in distress and all of that, but how else is she supposed to react? Like she was at a normal work day in her normal work clothes for <laughs> an operating park that's been going for 10 years. Yeah. How is she supposed to foresee the future that that day is she should be training for this and learning this and bring extra clothes for this? Like, <laughs> that would be unrealistic. I mean, this is... I think it's great that they showed... Her using her strengths because even when she released the T-Rex I mean she used what she knows like she knows her park assets and so she thought this would be a good asset to counter this problem like it was a professional mind problem solving way and I think that was amazing that they kept that and then mm-hmm. when they cut back to the heels that's a strength because it's reminding the audience as soon as you're getting carried away with oh she's this big superhero they cut to the heels of her running they're like oh yeah that's the character that she's still the same she's still that character just being thrown in these insane situations but she's still business claire from the beginning yeah and evolving a little bit but not too much to make it unrealistic the next two films will be evolve more (laughs) where i think people might like her to be but I think it was, it was handled perfectly in the first one. Yeah, I agree. I think the problem is the comparisons. You know, people um, try to look to old characters and compare them to her. And 
the thing is, we haven't had a character like her before. You know, the the women that we've had in the past have been, you know, we had Ellie Sattler, who was, you know, she was down in the dirt digging out fossils and you know doing all that stuff out there in the uh, in the Badlands out there with Grant, and she was she was in the thick of it, and and Claire has never really experienced that, and no. uh, then yeah, you go with um, uh, Sarah Harding, you know, from Lost World. And same thing with her. She was out there in the middle of it, experiencing everything on the ground. They neither of them seem to be, you know, uh, company running women. You know, they just seem to be, you know, uh, out in the field type women. Yeah, you could compare them to more Owen. You can say that mm-hmm. they're female Owens if you want. Exactly. I, I know. I just read, I read this article before this, and it's the most ridiculous complaint. It said that they were comparing Ellie's wardrobe to Claire's wardrobe, and it was a shot to Claire, of course. Yeah. That was ridiculous, because Ellie knew very little of what she was going to do on this island other than going to explore an island with dinos. Mm-hmm. Of course she's going to have hiking boots, and of course she's going to have shorts, and she's not... She's just going there to explore this park. That's all she knew. Yeah. Claire is in a normal work day, like I mentioned before. Normal work day, perfectly safe park, how is she supposed to know that that's the day she should have wore sneakers? Like, <laughs> and and she's supposed to take off her heels okay and then run and cut up her feet? And she's comfortable no. on heels. Clearly, the character is always, in, she goes about her day in mm-hmm. heels. And she does a lot of walking because we show, they showed her um, the first part of the movie. She wasn't in, in an office sitting. She's moving around. She's in helicopters. She's inspecting things. So she moves around in heels well. That, that should right there foreshadow that it's believable that she could run in them if she needs to be. Yeah, and I, I think we, we always talk about the character of Claire, and you forget, oh, Bryce Dallas Howard, she actually had to wear those heels, and she had to do all these stunts and the running. So you got to really give her credit for, for sticking to it and, and, and wearing them the whole time and, and being comfortable in them, like you said. Yeah, I know. I, and a couple of those behind-the-scenes, they show you she's running in sneakers or something yeah. a little less than that. That's true, it yeah. It spoils it had. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm sure she did have to do it a couple a couple number of times to get it yeah. on camera and on film. I would love to see know how many times she had to do that running from the T-Rex just on her feet. That would yeah. be so interesting to know how many times they had to focus on that. Oh, I'm, I don't even know. good FX scene. I can't even. <laughs> so epic. It's so epic. And, oh. I love it. I love it. I love that she used her problem-solving skills from her job and not magically became this dinosaur expert or magically thought, I know exactly this, this dinosaur is bigger than this one. Or that she totally used her professional, this asset, this asset, that's a match, we'll do that. Like I love that they didn't make her unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah, and she didn't, she didn't waver. She says in her head, she, she's saying, I got to get something bigger. She goes... You know, asks Lowry to open the paddock. He does it, and she doesn't hesitate. She just runs back to the the scene of the crime there with the Indominus, straight to the action. And, and it, she's it's still amazing. scared, though. She doesn't. I love that she's still scared. Like she she knows what she's do what she's doing, and it's more of a um a, uh, what is it fight or flight mm-hmm. reflex. I I really believe that because I mean she knows this is insane, and she's like, but I I can't die. So I have to do something not to die. Yeah. But it's not just a heroic. I mean, it's so heroic. Don't get me wrong on that. I mean, it's epically heroic. But 
coming from her perspective, it's a I don't want to die, so I have to go to most extreme measure. It's total human nature, and I mean that that's so smart that they did that. I love that. Loved it. Yeah. And I do think she could have maybe started running a little sooner. <laughs> she really cut it yeah, close well, there. <laughs> suspense, I guess. They gotta throw that in. Yeah. But you could totally see it on her face when she's standing there waiting with the flare in her hand. Uh, she is scared out of her mind, but she knows, like, this is the right thing. I have to do it. Stay strong. And then she starts running. You know, the, the Rex is chasing after her, and she plays it smart, and she throws the flare. And, uh, you know, take it from there. The uh, <laughs> the Rex wins. And see, maybe that's another thing that she picked up from her business side of T-Rexes follow flares. Like, maybe mm-hmm. the average person doesn't know that. But since she has to be in charge, partially, of that paddock, she knows how they're fed. She knows how they're lured over. She knows how to put on a show. Hence the the viewing right by the flare and all that. Like she knows how the show works. So she's taking the show elements that she learned from her professional side and is applying it to trying to save the day here. That is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. You don't really think about it too often that she used her smarts as the 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 person in charge at Jurassic World to influence the outcome of the movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just that's amazing. I don't get why people aren't picking that up. I mean, the stuff they're picking up and commenting on is just it's disheartening. It's, it's mm-hmm. hurting my soul. Like, did they not <laughs> see the same movie? Are they not picking it apart enough? I don't yeah. know. I, I feel like it's just more of a, on the surface, people are upset about these things. But they really don't think into it like we are, which is which is sad. You know, there should be more articles out there about how she was, you know, an amazing lead in the film, uh, career focused and, you know, had had all kinds of smarts when it came to how to dissolve these problems that were happening, you know, in real time. She knew exactly what to do and she didn't hesitate. And I think not 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 many people are picking up on that. I know. I mean, they didn't even give her fake intelligence like they it's almost like they wrote her in this limitation, but it was a, a correct limitation mm-hmm. to use because they didn't. Eat, there's so every scene, um, you could you could tell that she she had she's so limited in her dinosaur knowledge, even though she in a way knows everything about them from the business side. But obviously, in real life, like with the dying dinosaur, which I've mentioned a hundred times, which is my favorite part. Um, when she first sees that dinosaur, that's the first time she's probably ever seen a dinosaur without glass separating them. So she doesn't even know if it's going to hurt her, and she doesn't even understand. I mean, she knows it's dying, but she doesn't know if it's um, going to attack her or anything about its behavioral aspect. And she doesn't know how to react to it, and mm-hmm. she's afraid of it in a way. And she's kind of looking at Owen like, what do I do with this? Like, I've never even touched one, probably before and i've never seen one outside of the computer or the paper (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing and then she has the guilt of this her creation did this it's just such that's the best scene that is the best scene for me yeah that really was a turning point you know she saw that all happen in front of her and you know she broke as a character she went from being very strong to all of a sudden not knowing what to do anymore because you know this thing died on her watch basically and mm-hmm. I think she knew that her choices maybe uh, to, um, you know, kind of contain the uh, the IREX there. She knew that maybe that wasn't the best choice and that now things are going to happen. Things are, are, you know, changing. There's dying dinosaurs out here. 
and maybe even some humans are going to get hurt. So I think that was definitely a breaking point for her. Oh, and I love, I, I should probably get backlash too, but I love the part where she says um, she's worried about not reopening when all those people yeah. are dying and, and her first concern is we'll never reopen. And I know so many eyes rolled and so many people just shifted in their seats when she said that, but I absolutely love that because that just further solidifies her character that she is so corporate and just that's all she knows and that's how she's trained and that's so perfect for her character to say that i was like oh this is good this is this is good i'm gonna love this character to see it like just rip apart her flaws and see how she grows because i'm thinking this character's in a good place to see a lot of growth yeah i love that one i, I think that was a great moment because you'd think maybe Maybe she's just going to give in and, and, you know, do what everybody says. But no, she doesn't. She sticks to her gun and she's like, we'll never reopen. This is this is going to be really bad for yeah. business, you know? She Love she it. definitely sticks to her character, like you said. Yeah, that's one thing. They, they keep her character integrity the entire film. And I don't know if people lose that or they, they don't pick up on that. But if you look at her scenes, every single scene, there is this this line that's even like there's she doesn't really waver from it yeah she grows a little bit she keeps her character and what she knows and what she's learned in life i mean you could tell it doesn't waver it she's clear the whole way she might be dealing with different situations in different ways and different things are thrown at her but she is the same character it's it's wonderful that's perfect writing i loved it love yeah. that love claire yeah each choice she makes is is based off her life experience and she's so career focused that she tends to forget about family, you know, and that maybe that's a downside to her. But, you know, that's that's what you take for being such a, a strong businesswoman. You know, you, you maybe put some things to the side and you don't you don't see your nephews for, for the past <laughs> seven years, you know, or you don't talk to your sister as much or your or your mom, as they mentioned. So, you know. You got to give and take on some points, and I think people look at the high heels and not these other aspects. Yeah, I, I agree. The family—that's another big criticism that I see. I don't know how how I feel about that. I mean, not every—I I don't really get the feministic argument because not every woman um, wants kids anyway, and shouldn't that be? good for the feminist that oh she's a working she's she's working she's not a stay-at-home mom like it seems to go mm -hmm. back and forth i don't know i don't really see a problem with it let her do what she wants who cares if she doesn't want kids not everyone does so i don't know i don't think that's a big criticism but I, I know that that got a lot of criticism about her not wanting yeah. kids. yeah definitely um I, you know i don't even know what to make about it some of these points yeah. are hard to argue because we're stating all the things that make sense and everybody brings up these points that just don't make any sense so sometimes yeah. it's hard to argue it it's not even a, a big deal in the film so no. i i can't see it's just like a throwaway point mm -hmm. i don't i don't even see why that would be a huge argument for the film in general but somehow yeah. like like you said people just see what they want and the outside of it they don't dig into it so they see the hills they see the family they see this workaholic and then they don't dig in to see the apatosaurus scene or um the t-rex scene or, or using her professional smarts to solve many many problems and even she knows where the control room is when they're running she lets us go to the control let's go here she's she knows her park and those are her strength and her heels are her strength and people don't see that as somehow that's getting passed over 
yeah. a lot. And I think another part that people pass over is when Owen extends his hand to help her down, and she just blows right by him and just keeps on <laughs> yeah. running. And That's you so know, funny. It's, it's things like that that people are glossing over. I think they've already rolled their eyes too early on in the movie to not latch on to all these other points that they're just missing out on. You know, they've already dismissed the film as being sexist or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, all these things happen and they just, they don't even see it. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's true. That's right. She did. She didn't really ask for help. No. At all. At all. And even, and she saved Owen twice and she didn't ask for help. No. So there's your strength. I mean, I would consider that the non-professional strength, like the little growth that she's getting throughout. Um, I would consider that because I don't know how, I don't want to say weak, but how not heroic she was at the very beginning. She was strong in her professional side, but in the outdoorsy side, probably not so much. So those little moments I would call growth. But even then, they can't be glossed over. I mean, those are important, important moments mm -hmm. she, she, of her of her being strong and on her own and independent. I mean, that's pretty good. I don't know. I don't get what people are saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she had a lot of bravery towards the uh, the end of the film. You know, she did so much to help Owen and the kids. And uh, one of the points I've seen brought up is the fact that um, after she she shoots the Dimorphodon, I believe it was, um, a few times and saves Owen, you know, the kids see that and they thought, is, you know, is that Claire? Is that our aunt? Yeah. Is she really doing those things? And then maybe 10 minutes later... Um, you know, they say they want to stay with Owen and not Claire, you know? I, f I forget yeah. exactly how the line went, but they're like, uh, we're going to stay with you. No, 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 not you, him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love, I like that because, I mean, they all they know, they don't know Claire at all other than um, she's their aunt and she hasn't been with them all day and she is dressed as she is and she does her business side of things and I mean, they don't really, they see Owen as just stereotypical, muscly guy, and they just kind of automatically go to him, and she doesn't get the credit she deserves there, but I think that's, that's a good, I like that. I like that she was kind of over, over, um, overseen from what she just did. I know it's a criticism, but it's weird. I like that. I like that they picked him over her. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Yeah, but I, really I don't know why. Like I guess... What was the reasoning? I mean, that um, was the... Because he, he backed up. Like, he yeah. backed the car up. That was it. Yeah, that was it. That's all he had done because they had literally just met him. And they just saw her take out, you know, a dinosaur yeah. with with a gun or, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them? Oh, was, was, it? was it tranquilizers? Yeah, tranquilizers. And um, they just saw that, but then maybe did they forget it five, ten minutes later? And know. they saw him back up really smoothly. And uh, that's Which that's more nothing, intense, apparently. Really. I know. I don't know why I like that. I guess because she wasn't getting the credit she deserved. The fact that she deserved credit, I guess, would be a good thing. Uh -huh. And the fact it's it's kind of a, a one-up for the females, in my opinion, because she did her awesome thing, but she didn't get credit for it. But how often? That happens all the time in life. So yeah. I don't know. I kind of like that. And then she made up for it, obviously, much later, even more so. But the audience knows she was brave. Just because her nephews don't notice her, just because the characters don't commend yeah. her for it. The audience sees it, and yeah, they acknowledge think... it. And then they feel for her a little bit because of that. Exactly. Yeah. I think you're right. Maybe that's what they were going for, to make her make you feel bad for her 
that she's not getting the attention because you know these are just two young boys and you know they, maybe they'll attach to to the male figure more i don't know but it, it seems likely but um you know i, oh, I feel bad know. that maybe she didn't get the credit she deserved in that instance because she did a much cooler thing i think than just backing up a truck so yeah i know but you know i just had a thought maybe that was supposed to plant in the audience's head that um the the hero side I, I had a thought what was it i had a good thought um <laughs> i i think maybe it was that was just that line and all of that was just for the audience not so much the characters it was for you to feel a little bit more for claire because at this point you were not really empathetic i'm guessing most people were not empathetic towards her at all mm-hmm. and for her not to get the credit that she deserved in that moment maybe that was a little point for the audience to get like one more yeah. on her side and then see how they totally pick owen then they're like oh well i kind of like her like i'm starting to like her more maybe that was that was for that reason for the audience's benefit yeah not not character based yeah now i really wonder what um her and owen's history is you know you get a, a small taste of it you know that they had some sort of previous entanglement but you don't know exactly what i guess they maybe went on one date or two dates i don't know exactly I just want to know what happened there because there's obviously some tension and uh you know I don't think it stops so that kiss that happens in the in the you know mid to later half of the film it seems kind of out of place you know maybe not on Owen's part on her part but um there's definitely some sort of strange attraction between the two of them I would love to know as well what happened between them and with the kiss though I love that he kissed her, and she didn't really focus on it. Like, as soon as he was done, she was like, oh, my nephew. Yeah. She didn't even focus on that, and I love that. And it it was a weakness on his side, I think. People say, oh, the kiss was stupid, but I think it, again, upped Claire to the audience, being like, look, she's not focused on the dude. She's focused on her family and her park, and she could deal with him later. But right now, she has other important issues to address. Mm-hmm. Another one-up point for Claire that I don't know if people really got. They see the kiss, and they're like, oh, she's submissive and all of this crap. No, she didn't even address him. She was like, whatever, let me go take care of my family. That's a really good point. You don't really uh, catch on to that too much. She just pushes him away and then goes to get the kids. Yeah, like he kisses her, and then she's over it. She's like, okay, wait, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> yeah. Um and from that point, you know, she goes and does the whole um, T-Rex thing where she leads, leads her out of the trap. And, uh, and you know, she really saves the day uh, for the, all the characters and uh, anybody left at the park, I guess. But she saved the day. She saved the movie. She's really, like, the true lead of the film, I would say. Yeah, I mean, she has the most screen time. And she... There's a good, what, 20 minutes or half an hour of just her introduction before Owen even comes in. Yeah, and really. It's all her story, completely, 100% her backstory. Mm-hmm. And she saves everyone twice. And I don't know how people could not see her as the lead. If they switched and had the male in her role and she was the female raptor trainer, it would, again, the male would be the lead, again. I mean, it's not even yeah. the character. Yeah, I, I think that's just the problem with Hollywood, I guess, but... Um. Yeah, it's just really a shame that the marketing has has focused more so on Chris Pratt, and I guess you know maybe because he's had such a, a good string of hits recently, and she's kind of been out of the spotlight. You know, she hasn't really been the focus of things, and he was just in Guardians, and mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, he's a big TV star. So I think that's probably why they focused on him. But he definitely, I would say he's the second lead because Claire, like you said, it was all her introduction. And yeah, the first time you meet um, Owen, it's basically besides other characters. And you meet him the same time you meet Raptors. So Mm -hmm. it's like, where am I going to look? Am I going to look at these Raptors or him? But when you introduce Claire, she's there by herself and she's running the show. So, you know, I I have a hard time not seeing her as the lead of the film and the fact that she saves the day. Yes. And that is another reason why I'm very, very, very pleased and very excited for this franchise, this end of the franchise, this side of it, because the first three, I love them. I love them very much, very, very much. Let this be known that I was a Jurassic Park fan way before this movie. I know a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I was born, born and bred a Jurassic Park fan. Like, I, yeah, forever, just so that's <laughs> out there. I'm, I didn't just jump on this like, oh, Claire's the best without any knowledge. No, I grew up with it. So that said, I am very excited to have a character that does not start at what we're used to because we're used to dinosaur experts being thrown into this. Yeah. We have someone who is ex- expert in a sense, but nothing, nowhere prepared for what she should be expert in. And then to have three films focus on this and how that's going to deal with the problems they're going to face coming up. I mean, I'm so excited to see that. And I'm so excited. It's a female. I want to see a female dinosaur expert. Like I want, I want her to be the female Alan Grant in the end. Like I want that. So that would be, so fantastic and I'm really really excited that they're doing that I hope and I loved Colin's interview recently where he mentioned that it's kind of Claire's franchise in a sense he didn't say that word for word yeah but that's what I took from it I hope <laughs> that's what he meant yeah he definitely did focus so, on her more yeah. so than anybody else because he's like Owen's there to just fix things just mm. clean up <laughs> he's like but no she she's the the owner of this franchise I really hope that holds up. I mean, I'm, that made me even more excited. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said earlier, she we've never seen a character like her. And the other, we actually have never had, a, I don't think, uh, a dinosaur expert female character. You know, um, you know, Ellie Sattler, I guess she basically knew a ton about dinosaurs. But she was more of the paleobotanist. And then you have Sarah, who was just a... You know, what was she, a a journalist, photographer, uh, wildlife expert, something like that. Um, So it would be a nice change of pace, I think, to have somebody that maybe she, you know, maybe Claire focuses and trains and, you know, toughens up when it comes to knowing everything about dinosaurs. That would be amazing. Because even as as before, the other ones, they were co-stars. They were totally supporting. Totally supporting. I mean, their their growth didn't go very much because you already knew. They're already where they needed to be. They were already at the top of their game. In a exactly, sense, yeah. Just thrown in messes. Here we have someone not at the top of their game, also thrown in messes, but brilliantly thrown in messes. Like not how Colin mentioned how it's not just people thrown on an island anymore. It's she's embedded in this and she has to somehow evolve to fix her problems now that she has to. It's a necessity in a way and that's so new that is such a refreshing take on Mm -hmm. being thrown on an island i mean now she's so embedded in it and look where she started and so we get to see her growth while being forced to be embedded in this world 
it's genius. I mean, Colin, he set up this, this brilliant trilogy, I think. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited to see where it goes because at the end of the film, you know, you see them both together at that, um, you know, the, uh, the place where everybody's getting fixed up and, and helped out, the survival center or something like that. And, you know, Owen basically says they have to stick together for survival. And which is oh, a kind of so like, cheesy. it's I'm such sorry. a cringeworthy line, but it is. I cringe every time, even but, the first time. I was like, oh, why? You know, that's another thing. I feel like it's not necessarily a cringeworthy line. I think it's just his character. You know, that's the kind of thing his character would say. You know, he would say something yeah. corny. And I kind of I kind of get that. So I don't feel too bad about that line. This is true, and another another thing you just brought up, they gave him so many corny lines, and no one's even talking about that. Yeah. They're focused on, like, he had no growth, and he had the corniest of corny lines <laughs> most of the time, but the focus is nowhere near on those. Yeah. That yeah. blows I, my mind. I, you know, I guess they did build a good sense of character. You know, people say that some a lot of these characters, they're even saying it about Claire, are just, like, you know, one-dimensional. You don't really get much from him. And while Claire changed a ton, maybe Owen didn't change too much. But I think you have to pick up on these little nuances like, you know, that he is kind of comical. You know, you get that from the the banter that they had on, on his porch there. You know, the way he goes back and forth with with silly comments. And then, you know, when uh, she goes to show him the Indominus Rex and he's like, where is it? In the basement? You know, like he's I saying know. corny you know, funny comments. And then at the end of the film, you know, everybody just, you know, oh, that was terrible. That was such a stupid line. But I think it's in character if you look yeah. at it that way. You know, we're going to stick to stick together. And he's for survival. You know, it's That's it's true. corny. And I think he gets it. I think she gets it. It's just the audience needs to get it. He is so overall corny. At least he's consistently corny. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. So... As Colin just recently said that, you know, they they basically go um, in different directions than we than we assume they go um, in his recent comments. So where do you think, aside from maybe, um, you know, brushing up on our dinosaur skills or, or, you know, doing something like that, where do you think that she ends up? Do you, does she end up, um, you know, in trouble for her actions maybe within the park, you know, some sort of legal trouble? Or does she um, end up running another division, maybe of InGen somewhere else, you know, back on mainland? Or, you know, what? where do you see her going from here? Oh, man. I don't know. And especially I was thrown when he said they'll be in completely different places in their life. And I'm thinking, I don't want a time jump, for no, one. Yeah. I, I kind of don't want to come in and Claire be this expert on dinosaurs. I want to see her become an expert on dinosaurs. So I'm a little worried about that. I mean, not a lot worried, but I do not want to see that time jump. So that was a little worrisome. But um, I don't know what she's going to be doing. I don't know what I even really want her to be doing. I kind of wanted to just pick up and where it ended and have them somehow pick up the pieces and have to deal with the mess. Yeah. I would love her to see to see her um, take over the company because that will give her an integral, vital part in the entire franchise so she'll have to learn even more about the dinosaurs and i don't even know how the dinosaurs will be incorporated i don't know if it'll be a free-for-all they'll be everywhere so i'm not even sure how she'll have to deal with them so 
So it's really hard to say where she'll be. I have I don't know. What about you? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I really I liked picking up on this uh, legal trouble issue, you know, because if you yeah. think, you know, she made the choice to um, do what she did in the park, and maybe that kind of got, you know, the company in trouble. And if I'm sure there's going to be some sort of investigation, you know, I don't think this is like the uh, the, the last few movies where it was kind of, you know, a hush topic. Not many people talked about it. This is a park that's been open and operating, and you got to think about. Every person that's on that island is going to be suing. And there's going to be somebody that has to pay for it. And Mizrani is, you know, spoilers, he's dead, which was kind of unwarranted, I think. But they needed to kill some people off, I guess. But, um, you know, he's dead. Who's going who's gonna, to um, pay for this? You know, I feel like Claire may end up in some sort of trouble. I don't know what it's going to be. And I don't know if it's going to last. But I don't know. I... I... Okay, you just put a thought in my head. I never, I kind of analyzed a lot of of Claire in my head and her actions, but I didn't really think about the part of whose fault is it that the dinosaur escaped. I mean, technically, it's it's no one's fault because the dinosaur tricked them. But does it go as far back as to blame the people who created it? Does it go back to blame Doctor Wu? Who, but he was told to do that. But still. That's a fuzzy area. I don't know who they'll really blame. I can't really say they'll blame her. But yeah, she had them open the door and she had them go in. And it was her call to say, mm-hmm. no, he's not in there. I guess she could have checked better. But um, I don't know if that's enough to really blame her for the entire incident. That would be really interesting to see who they put blame on. Because I don't know yeah. who, who I would put blame on. I don't know if it's really her fault. No, you know... It's not her fault of the fact that this dinosaur was out of control and that it, you know, became invisible and hid from them but actually was right in front of them the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's not her fault. But, you know, maybe some of the actions within the park of not evacuating the people in time, um, they, they oh, ended yeah. up doing it last second, you know, but it didn't really help too much. I mean, I guess they weren't in line of the Indominus as we as far as we could tell. But, um, you know, definitely, I think Colin mentioned, there's a lot more carnage than we actually saw in the film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe maybe it's her fault because she didn't make the call earlier. But I guess you could blame Mizrani, too, because he is there as well. You know, they could say, yeah. he should have made the call, but we have nobody to pay, you know. So. See, this, is, this is a really good, um, in retrospect, kind of deal because she might regret a lot that she did but if you're in the moment and all this is happening you just make really fast decisions because i know a lot of people were complaining that as soon as she saw that the thermal technology wasn't picking up on the dinosaur she immediately ran to the control room calling them and owen and and the the maintenance guy and everything went inside the paddock without being 100 percent sure before she even went to the um, got to the control room so that's an error for sure on her mm-hmm. side but again you're in the moment you're you're in retrospect yeah you shouldn't have done that you should have been more cautious but probably a dinosaur has never escaped before at this point to this extent I would say so in her mind she sees no thermal activity panic all of that because again she doesn't know her dino facts she doesn't know anything about dinosaurs other than 
this is where it lives and this is how I sell it to people. Yeah. So that's a fault. That it's, just, it's, it's such a good point, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't know who. Yeah. I don't know who to pick. Somebody's going to pay the price, I think. And I would like, I, I don't know if I'd like it, but I could see the film starting off with maybe like a courtroom scene or something. I don't know if you've uh, seen Iron Man 2. But I, I feel like that. I feel like that film started off with a courtroom scene or something like that. You know, they wanted him to pay for his actions out there, and you know, he had to come to his own defense. So I feel like something similar could happen. I can see that, and with like news reports. But can we please have Alan Grant on like a news report? Yes. Commenting on mm-hmm. the incident, and just have the whole world come together. That would be amazing. Exactly. I, that, if they're not going to include them fully in the film, I think they need to be on some sort of news panel or something like that. And actually, I was thinking about that earlier, that um, I would love to see, like I said, like maybe a courtroom scene. But also, I want to see um, the perspective from the outside. And I think if you do add that courtroom element, you might. this might work if you add you know, um, chopper shots of, of what's going on in the park. Or, you know, just like uh, cell phone shots from people within the park. You know, there's going to be all kinds of footage from what happened. And I'd love to see that aspect because I feel like I feel like you need some sort of justification. You need to see what people on the outside viewed um, as to what happened here on the park. That would be, yeah, I totally agree because... If they do, that you'll be you'll see Claire trying to defend because I'm sure that I I think you're right. I think they probably will put it on her, and you'll see her rethinking her actions and what she should have done, and she'll have all this regret and guilt and amazing mess on her shoulders. And then you can even like rethink the actions. Maybe people even go back to the first movie after watching the second one and pick it apart of references that she'll mention of why she did something and you can go back and see it and the first time like oh wow that's connected here and i mean they could really connect it really well like they can enter um they can integrate it together and that would be amazing yeah i I do i'm on the courtroom okay okay you're bringing me on the courtroom on the courtroom (laughs) boat i could do that yeah it may not be the most thrilling scene but you know you can't just gloss over it no, it, you know what? I, it could be the new dining room scene. <laughs> like, because that scene's not the most exciting, but it's it's epic in a way yeah. from Jurassic Park One. And to have a scene like that, it doesn't have to be insane, but if it's written well, it could be really good. That could be really good. Yeah, I think oh, that's okay. a problem um, with films today. Is they try to fill each section of the film with you know something fast paced, and when you look at the old Jurassic Park. It was so slow at times. And I think that's, you know, one of the great parts of the film is, you know, the, the time it takes to have these conversations, you know, whether it's the, the lunch scene or, or the, you know, eating the ice cream and the flea circus. You know, these are all moments that are so quiet and drawn out. Yeah, those are the best ones of the film of J.P. Mm-hmm. White. So, yeah, and I guess I don't know if that's a complaint of Jurassic World that there weren't enough of those scenes. I think people who complain about character development say they miss the slow scenes where they're just talking and maybe they can make up for it in the next one in that way. Hopefully. Yeah, that would be good. I would love that. Yeah, I agree. I also went into uh, Twitter here and I asked a few people um, what their thoughts were on Claire and I think we had pretty much a steady... um, you know, outcome here. 
This one here, let's see, it's from Brandon H83. He says um, she was possibly the most misunderstood character in a mainstream blockbuster. Um, I think, you know, he's right. And we just talked about that. She is so misunderstood that, you know, she possibly could be the most misunderstood character in a blockbuster. I want to applaud that tweet. Thank you for tweeting that. I totally <laughs> agree. 100% misunderstood. Yeah. yeah, somebody's on the same track as we are, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one here is from at woe Ashley, A-S-H-L-I. Um, she says, I love the character, good development throughout, and I can't wait to see what's in store for her next. Um, so, yeah, I think we pretty much covered all those. You know, she had great development, and we're super excited to see what happens to her. Yeah, totally. At Sickle underscore Claus says, she is a badass, strong, and intelligent woman. Yes. Yeah. We don't really have to say much else. Yes. And (laughs) reminds me to bring up the point of, uh, for her to be badass, professional, amazing Claire in the the next one. That would be awesome. To bring her professional, awesome, killing companies with her smart. Yeah. I don't know why that appeals to me. Yeah. Anywho. Now, this one, um, at Indian Marion, he says, um, and this is a longer answer. He put it up into a few different tweets. He says, she is a typical park manager who thinks they're in control until things go wrong. Uh, who hasn't forgotten what it's like to be one of us, the lower employees, until they're forced into a situation, then have no clue what to do, and then they look at, where's the next tweet? You for guidance. The difference is that she comes out with a new respect for those below her because now she's one of us again. And I feel like he's looking at it through the, the eyes of um, somebody who works at a park. You know, so I guess she's up on this totem pole looking down on the employees and, you know, even the dinosaurs in a sense. And you know, now all this stuff happens and now she's brought down and now she's one of them again. So I think he's got a good point. That's a very good point. We didn't even cover that. We didn't talk about that at all. That's a very good point. <laughs> no, not at all. No, yeah. out of everything we covered, that's a very good point that <laughs> she kind of was brought down from the hierarchy yeah. in a sense. But yet she still stayed herself. I, I don't know. I can't fully agree. I don't think she was brought down that much because, as we said, she had her same traits and she used what she knew. So she didn't fall that much. She was just thrown in circumstances that normal folk, I guess. Yeah. Well, she she was put into a world that she couldn't possibly understand. You know, we had actually talked about that exact same thing that, you know, she didn't show up in her hiking boots and, 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 you know, hiking clothes. So she was in a world that she wasn't used to. And she was down on the lower totem pole now with Owen, who's constantly dressed in, you know, uh, you know, gear that he's ready to go at all times. So, you know, now she's with the rest of them and she's working um, in a control room with basically only three other people at the time, it seemed like. So she's kind of one of the gang now. Yeah. This one here is from at N7Patrick. Uh, let's see, which one did he start with? He says, I think she's pretty awesome. She has some good character development, has some pretty good quotes, and saves the day. I also think she's one of the best human characters in the Jurassic Park franchise. Wow, that's, nice, nice compliment. Yeah, that's that's pretty serious. One of the best humans in the series. Wow. That's he, hardcore. Yeah, you know, he has to point out human because we all look at the, the dinosaurs as characters, and I agree with him on that. Yeah, yeah. 
But as far as one of the best humans, that's that's huge accomplishment. That you know, no, you're look, you're, look you're up company. there beating Grant yeah. and and Malcolm. That's that's and pretty Hammond. big. Hammond. Oh, Hammond too. Yeah. Starter of it all. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I love Claire very much, very very much, obviously. But John Hammond and his flea circus. <laughs> Ugh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. So I think that wraps up everything from Twitter. I wanted to mention the part of. Her, I mentioned, I tweeted it a little bit ago. Her tapping on the glass call over the Indominus. Oh yeah, like that will work because <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> even know anything about dinosaurs. The fact that let me just tap on this glass and it'll hear me. Yeah, nine inch thick glass or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the the funnier points because, like we said, she's smart with this aspect, but when it comes to dinosaurs and everything else, she is kind of clueless, I guess. So that's yeah. that's pretty hilarious. I laugh every time I see them. Yeah. Like, wow. I'm surprised <laughs> Owen didn't laugh. I don't know if he saw her do it. He was next to her, but he might have been looking out. But she was like tapping. Yeah, he, like, I think he was. He oh was too God. concerned with with the dinosaur to, to even pay attention to what she was doing. Being in the basement or in the rec yeah. room. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedy. Jurassic World is actually a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's good stuff. Well, I'm pretty sure we just. You know, uh, discuss possibly everything you could when it comes to Claire. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm glad you ca- you finally came around here and uh, we got you on the podcast. Um, so, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jennifer underscore Lynn eighty nine. I tweet Jurassic Park. I tweet Jurassic World. I tweet tweet Claire and Bryce Dallas Howard. So, if you're interested in any of those things. Feel free to follow me, and I'll follow you back. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, and I, I hope to be back. Definitely. We'll see you soon. recently heard Sabrina and Garrett from I Know Dino on our podcast, episode 16. Well, now I'm on theirs. Check it out, episode 42, where we discuss dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, and more. Hello, and welcome to I Know Dino, the big dinosaur podcast, where we cover news, interviews, and discussions of all things dinosaur. Hello, and welcome to I Know Dino. I'm Garrett. And I'm Sabrina. And today we'll be talking about Styracosaurus, we have an interview with Brad Jost from the Jurassic Park podcast and some news. We've listened to a few episodes and you've got news clips and sound bites and it's just beautifully produced. These are are hybrids and they're genetically modified and that they don't look like this in real life. Yeah, I think it's something that people don't like overtly go out and say like, I love dinosaurs. So they're mashing science with gaming technology. Yeah. It looks amazing. I kind of like it to be like a community podcast. There's dinosaurs everywhere. Obviously, everyone's going to have their own story. So please, go check out their awesome podcast. And make sure to follow them on Twitter, at iNoDino. Also, go check out iTunes. Download, review, and subscribe to iNoDino, the big dinosaur podcast. Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. Just went and made a new dinosaur. That doesn't look very scary. You are alive. I start to eat you. 
So this past week, I opened up another poll to everybody on Reddit, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. So I just really wanted to find out which character was your favorite from the franchise. Now, I know I asked this once before, but now since I've opened it up to everybody else, I think we can really establish um, the number one ranking character. Um, let's start off here with, uh, well, let's start off with Reddit. Um, we have one here from the user never ever no sanity uh this one says roland despite clearly being a sport hunting anti-environmentalist he's a seriously great character and i've got to agree you know he he is such an awesome character his look his attitude uh his just his entire demeanor during the whole film is spot on and awesome and you know it's too bad we lost the uh the actor that played him um, I would have loved to have seen him in other in other films in the franchise, but unfortunately that won't happen. But, you know, his character, he did a fantastic job with that character. So, great pick. And now this next one here on Reddit is actually pretty long, so I won't really read the whole thing. Uh, but this one's from The Coma Boy. It says, Nedry is my favorite. He is not the greedy villain everyone makes him out to be, and Jurassic Park was out of control long before his security hack. I'm on board with this, you know. He was a great character and certainly super memorable. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess the park definitely was out of control long before him and a bad idea in the first place. But, you know, I think he is kind of the greedy villain. You know, he, he took the money, he took the embryos, and he was running. You know, I think he is greedy. Um, but he is a great character, so that is a great pick. This one is from Kivalo. Uh, it says, Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Udesky. Um, so good for you, you know, that's, he's a, he's a ridiculous character, and this one here is from OG underscore Magisto? I don't know. Anyway, this one says, He was short-lived, but I really liked Simon Mizrani. I didn't see enough of him to make him my favorite, though, so I'm gonna go with Malcolm. You know, I really thought you were gonna go with Mizrani there as I started reading that, but you totally turned it and you went with Malcolm. And uh, I actually think a lot of people went with Malcolm. You know, a lot of people picked multiple characters, um, but they always started with Malcolm. You know, he seems to be uh, a thoroughfare through everything here that Malcolm is a huge character for everybody. This one here is from Tin Roof uh, Rusted. Ian Malcolm. His quote about being so preoccupied with whether or not they could, he actually stopped and considered everything and predicted the downfall of the park. And ultimately, he was right. You know, here's the trend. We've got a few here from Malcolm already. Um, so he could be on his way to winning this uh, poll. Let's see what else we have. Game Demon 24 says, It's, uh, or it's, it's, uh, Ian Malcolm. Seriously, though, awesome collage. Thanks, man. You know, uh, you know, I didn't really put too much work into it, but I'll take the compliment there, you know. But uh, Malcolm, though, seriously, he is an awesome character. Good pick. This one here is from Frodo's Baggins. It says, Robert Muldoon, his fascination with the Raptors is what killed him. You know, I really think you have a point here. You know, he was so fascinated with how they attacked and everything they did and, you know, their speed and the, their agility and their smarts. But... Somehow he just overlooked all those points and he just let them kill him. It's very strange. He was an amazing character who could have seriously, uh, you know, put a dent in this franchise. But, you know, his fascination with the Raptors killed him. So, you know, great pick. And 
really good perspective as to what happened there. Now, a few people here on Reddit actually just answered um, one name answers, and they said here we got um, John Hammond, we have Dr. Grant, we have Clever Girl, uh, I don't know if that one counts, but um, sure. We have Dr. Wu, uh, Roland again, Ian Malcolm. So it really seems like uh, Malcolm's taking the cake here in, uh, in uh, Reddit. So let's move over to Instagram. This one here from user on Instagram is JP Fan for Life, and uh, this one says Malcolm. He's the OG JP character. You know, you're right, and many people have agreed. Another one here from Andre Beraldino. Uh, sorry about that. It says Ian Malcolm. And we've got a few more one name answers here. Jillian Birch says Dr. Alan Grant. Um, let's see. Nadine underscore J1 says Dr. Grant. And uh, Jenny underscore M underscore Patterson says Robert. Um, and Apple underscore do 45 says Owen. This one here, uh, another uh, one, one name answer says uh, it's from Robert Muldoon underscore got. Um, and this pick is Robert Muldoon. Good choice. And uh, I never would have guessed uh, based off your name. Here we have one from Klingon007JP. It says, I can't say. I would have to go with Ian, though. You know, you can't say, but you picked uh, probably one of the most favorite ones. So good choice. Now let's move over to Twitter. Um, we got a lot of answers here. This one is from at Feathered Warrior. It says Hammond. Another one here from uh, this week's guest. At Jennifer underscore Lynn 89 says, I love Claire so much, but I can't choose her as my favorite until I see her entire journey. Um, and she also says, Oh my God, but John Hammond and his flea circus. I have to choose John Hammond. Hashtag Petticoat Lane. Um, Sickle underscore Claw, who we're going to hear from soon, actually, in the uh, listener segment, says, Ian Malcolm, because uh, chaos theory. And let's see here. We have at N7Patrick says, I narrowed it down to... Dr. Alan Grant. He's the best human character in Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3. You know, that's a really good pick. I think, you know, I really love Grant, and I really haven't seen a lot of love for him so far in this poll. So, you know, thanks for picking him. That was awesome. Uh, at JW underscore Pack, he says, I'm going to go with Owen. We haven't really seen a lot of people picking the new characters yet. Here we have from Brandon H 83 um, He says, Hashtag Team Carruthers. That's awesome. You know, he's a great, uh, he's a really great character. He's brand new. And you can tell he has a lot of love for Jurassic Park. You know, I don't know how much the public knew about Jurassic Park um, in the movie series, but apparently he knew enough to go onto eBay and buy a shirt. Um, but he is an awesome character, and he replicates a lot of different characters from the franchise. So, you know, it's a really great pick. At Toybox Soapbox says, Muldoon. Easy. The guy's sarcasm is incredible throughout, and he has perhaps the best line of the movie. You're right. He has such a great line. You know, he actually has a bunch of great lines, but Clever Girl is, you know, one of the most iconic phrases in the series, you know, aside from um, hold on to your butts or, you know, uh, anything, really. But Clever Girl is an awesome phrase, and it wouldn't have happened without his character. So great pick. We have one here from at Acolyte Andy and Jay. It says, We would have to say Dr. Ian Malcolm was the best character of the Jurassic Park saga and the most interesting. And I agree. He absolutely was the most interesting. You could see so many wheels turning in his head. Um, and the, the answers that he came out with throughout the film as to why the park was a disaster, you know, it was genius. And obviously it's paved the way for sequels. And you, like many others, have picked Ian Malcolm as one of the favorite characters. So... You know what? I think that's enough answers for now. Um, sorry to those I didn't get to read off. We got so many answers this week. 
and uh, you know it was just too much to read. But I, I'll try to respond to all of you individually online. So uh, we'll take it from there. But I tallied up all the answers here, and it looks like can you guess who came out in first place? None other than Ian Malcolm himself. <laughs> And obviously, I just read off a ton of answers from him. Um, Muldoon actually came in second place. Alan Grant, uh, you know, he didn't get as many as I expected. He came in about third place. Hammond in fourth. And I'm really surprised at the uh, the lack of votes for the new characters. You know, I uh, did the poll a little while back when we first started, and a lot of the new characters must have been just fresh on everybody's mind. But as the uh, attention for Jurassic World has waned, I think a lot of people have settled back in with the original characters. And um, this week, we finally determined that Ian Malcolm is the best character in the Jurassic Park franchise. Boy, I'm being right all the time. So again, thanks for submitting to this week's poll. And uh, stay tuned for later on. I'm going to actually read off the next poll for this coming week. I'm not a computer nerd. Aren't you supposed to be a genius or something? I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Dendron. Incorporating all the latest technologies. We shouldn't be here. And there's five dinosaurs. How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? This week, I got a few more great emails. Uh, so let's go in and check them out. This first one is from Nick. He says, Hi, this is Nick from Santa Monica, California. I love the podcast and just finished episode 17. Great discussion on the characters in the original trilogy. Here's something that has been bothering me for a while. What happened to the Brachiosaurus in Jurassic World? Did InGen kill them off in order to breed the Apatosaurus? There seems to be a lot of Brachiosaur in 1993. Was it something that the filmmakers wanted to change to make it more realistic in terms of recent discoveries? Were we not supposed to notice the difference? Thanks, and I look forward to the next episode. Hey Nick, thanks for the email, and uh, that was a really great question. Unfortunately, I just I don't have a logical answer for you. Um, because after all the research I've done, it seems like the Brachiosaurus could live at least up to the age of 100, but we can't really rationalize the age of a genetically modified dinosaur. Um, but it does seem really strange that they would just be all gone after 22 years. Now, I tried to dig into the old park maps and compare them to the new park maps, and it really seems like the area where the Brachiosaur were in the first film is now where the Jurassic World Lagoon, the Main Street, and the Innovation Center are now located. Um, so maybe they did kill them off, I don't know, to get them out of that area. Or maybe they just eventually deteriorated being genetically modified and being the first generation of dinosaurs. Now, I don't know, but I hope we get some sort of backstory to eventually tell what happened during the building of Jurassic World. You know, either a, a TV show or a comic book or some sort of story. Um, but maybe there's a possibility that the film just never focused on them. Now, they could have been off in one of the many sections that we didn't get to explore, because if you look at that map, there's actually a few locations that we never did see. So if you take, for instance, the gondola lift, um, we never saw that section of the park. And to me, it really sounds like the perfect place for a Brachiosaur to exist. Now, I'm just going to stick with that answer, because honestly, I don't know. I really wish we got to see them because they were one of my favorites from the original film. Um, I like them better than the, the Apatosaurus, uh, but that scene was just uh, so pivotal that I really wouldn't take it uh, any other way. Thanks, Nick. This one here comes from uh, Sickle Claw. We've heard from him before, and he says, Hello again. 
I am emailing due to your Twitter post about a Jurassic franchise shared universe. It made me think of all the news surrounding Michael Crichton's other novel, Micro, getting a big screen movie as well. There has also been high profile news about the studio that is involved with potentially looking to co-operate with Universal. It made me think of the possibility of a Crichtonverse and how all these different things will go together. Could Mizrani possibly have experimented uh, with shrinking technologies seen in Micro? It would very well fit with Hoskins' militarization plans for InGen's technology. I do think that we will see multiple companies battling over each other and could possibly be a lead into Crichtonverse. What if other companies are experimenting with nanobots from Prey, human-computer hybrids from The Terminal Man, or even alien bacteria from The Andromeda Strain? The world of Michael Crichton leaves it open for a lot of ways that these crossovers could be implemented or referenced, I believe. I read the original JP4 script, the one by John Sayles. It certainly does have a feeling to it, and it would work well uh, with a sort of crossover with the Crichton novel Next, which deals with biological hybrids. Next would be a great way to introduce all these concepts, actually. So yeah, after thinking about it, the next one does not need to be Jurassic World, but it can set up Crichtonverse with all these conflicts going on at the same time. Let me know what you think, Sickle Claw. Thanks, man. I've got to admit, it really does sound like you're onto something. It reminds me of the Marvel Universe. You know, you've got so many different worlds, and you're always combining them, akin to Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, and Ant-Man. They're all so different, and they all explore different aspects of science and engineering, very similar to the point you brought up. The only problem is I see that um, I wouldn't want them to really mess with my version of Jurassic Park. Now, when the series first debuted, it was very simple. Dinosaurs and man coexisting. Now, of course, times have changed, and they are slowly starting to integrate new aspects into the series. But um, would shrinking dinosaurs just be too much? I I don't know. Maybe not, but... If they can really control each and every chromosome of the dinosaur, um, why couldn't they create any version they wanted? You know, mixing different books and film series into a single universe, it really could be pretty amazing. And obviously a Crichtonverse could be an awesome thing to behold. Um, Will it ever happen? I don't know, probably not. But uh, I I actually think it's pretty fun to imagine. Thanks, Matt. Now before we go, I think uh, that question there was a great segue into next week's poll. Now, you may have already heard about Spider-Man being brought back from, uh, from Sony to Marvel. And uh, the newest one is King Kong is switching to Warner Brothers uh, to eventually mix in with Godzilla. You know, studios are really looking at mixing genres and franchises together to create the ultimate mashup. Now, this is where next week's poll comes in. What other franchises would you like to see mashed up with Jurassic Park? Now, this is going to be a bit of a fun poll, so let's, uh, let's get some ridiculous answers out there and not take it too seriously. Now, do you want to see Micro or the Andromeda Strain mixed with Jurassic Park? Uh, what about other Universal franchises like Fast and Furious? Uh, <laughs> could Dom drive his car into Jurassic World and help take down the Indominus? I don't know. How about Transformers? Could Optimus Prime take down a pack of Velociraptors? Um, this is all good fun, so... You know, let your answers just take it to the to the next level because none of these mashups will ever happen, but it's fun to imagine. So what film series would you like to see mashed up with Jurassic Park? Answers will be read on episode 19.
Thanks for listening to the 18th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I want to thank Jennifer for joining me this week to defend Claire. I think we really broke down the walls and helped to show everybody the value behind her character. I also want to thank Nick and Matt for emailing this week and bringing up some critical and fun points to analyze. Also, a huge thanks to everybody who submitted to this past week's poll. I really think it helped us to get down to the bottom of the best character in the franchise, Ian Malcolm. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Don't forget to send us your thoughts on the upcoming poll. Uh, we want to know which franchise would you mash up with Jurassic Park. You can basically find us all over the internet now. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Flickr. And you can also listen to us via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and YouTube. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. All the links to our web presence are in the show notes. And here we go. I know I ask you every week, but if you haven't already, please do us a huge favor by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. It will seriously, no, seriously help us build our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. If you want to get a hold of us, you can tweet us at Jurassic Park Pod, or you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, segment ideas, pictures, top tens, or comments to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. If you would like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. Now, if you don't have a way to record, you can give our voicemail a call and leave us a message. The number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening. And enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now. Well, somebody yeah. go out in the park and pull up the dinosaur's skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> When you gotta go, you gotta go.